1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Michael Reed Show, brought to you by
0: Airgrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity, when
4: and where they need it. Monday morning, the 8th of May. Good morning, with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. 671,183 people in Ireland are living in poverty. The government is doing the exact opposite of what is needed to take those people out of poverty. Now, that's according to Social Justice Ireland. The best of times, the worst of times, the age of wisdom, the age of foolishness, the epoch of belief, the epoch of incredulity. The season of light, the season of darkness, the spring of hope, the winter of despair. And like Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, many people are in despair, struggling to cope with the cost of living. Social Justice Ireland argues that most people don't want a deeply divided, two-tier society, but it says the state seems to be subverting key community values in the interest of unbridled profit. Sean Healy, Director of Social Justice Ireland, joins us now to explain this criticism of the government. A very good morning to you, Sean, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. It's a very strong statement you're making this morning. You say that the government's social contract with the people is broken uh, and that a new contract is now needed. That's that's
2: right, and the reason for it is that basically Ireland is Getting more divided, uh, you summarised it very well. On one side, Ireland is doing tremendously well. There's people doing extraordinarily well, and uh, they can well afford everything that they need and more, uh, and, and they're benefiting from the way things are going. They're working in the kind of high uh, income sides of the of the economy and so on. On the other side, there's large numbers, very large numbers of people uh, who are caught. Uh, by what government is doing uh, the value for example of their social welfare payment is less today than it was a year ago or two years ago and the government has been quite effective in its PR campaigns which it has spent a fortune on uh, over the past 12 months to convince people uh, that, and, and they have succeeded uh, to convince people of something that is false and that is they've, tried to, they've been convincing an awful lot of people that the Poorest benefited uh, quite a a lot from the last budget, budget 2023. In actual fact, that's not true. The the gap between uh, the the rich-poor gap if you like, between welfare and people on 100 grand widened by 199 euro just as a result of the budget. Yes, people's incomes did go up because they they raised welfare by 12 euro a week but in actual fact, to make this uh, to, to, to sort of just keep pace with inflation, they needed to do it at 20 euro a week. They didn't do that. The result is that this year, everybody on welfare is worse off than they were a year ago and worse off again than they were two years ago. Because on both occasions, government failed uh, to sort of um, Pay the money that was required and was available to pay, uh, so as to, to ensure that they the value of their basic welfare payment would uh, not uh, would not increase or anything, just be maintained hmm. as it was. On top of that, we have inflation, and inf- the, the biggest pieces of inflation tend to be uh, things that poorer people depend on or spend uh, spend most. Uh, Everybody depends on them. food and, yeah. and and so on. But the uh, it's the the fact that poorer people uh, spend more of their income on it, and as a result, they get a bigger hit because food power, uh, food inflation is higher than regular inflation. So when the price of butter goes uh, goes up, or mm-hmm. when the price of milk goes up, uh, it's uh, the bigger hit is taken by the people who spend more of their income on those kinds
4: and of And in particular those staples that we all need to, exactly. to survive. Uh, you've been analysing budgets and commenting on uh, the econ- economy and uh, the distribution of wealth in this country for as long as I can literally remember. Uh, am I right in thinking that this is the strongest attack uh, that uh, you've made on any government over those years?
2: Well, certainly it's one of them. I don't know whether it'll be the absolute strongest, but it'll be certainly one of them. And the reason is very straightforward. The government is not basing its decisions on the evidence. And it's the first time ever that we saw a situation like this. There have been situations where government made mistakes and bad mistakes uh, on, because they went away from evidence. but. At least they were looking at some of the evidence at the, in those times um, that would be after, at the time of the crash and subsequently yeah. the decisions that were made after the, by the new government in 2011 and after that. But but this is worse because what we're seeing here is a government trying to convince the public and using PR to do this big time uh, that they're trying to convince the public that what they're doing is fair, that the poorest are actually benefiting and they are better off as a result of what they, the government has done in the budget that is simply untrue and the government needs to face up to the fact that as you said there's 671,000 people in poverty in ireland that number has grown as a direct result of government's failure uh, to continue what it was doing it was doing the right thing and increasing welfare rates and so on to try to ensure that people didn't fall behind they stopped that a couple of years ago, and as a result, uh, we now have a situation where this, the latest poverty numbers show an increase in poverty, and the next set that will come out next March, they'll, they'll also see or show an increase in the numbers in, po- in poverty. And that is a disgrace. Mm. In, a, in a country, uh, with the kind of level of resources that we have, to have 100, 188,000 children in poverty and 140-plus thousand people, older people,
4: are, are you saying it's intentional, that the government is intentionally and knowingly presiding over a situation where there's social injustice, inequality, marginalization, and environmental destruction, and that it, it is intentionally and knowingly presiding over those situations because of the support that it has for unbridled profits, as you put it in your sentence.
2: Well, let me put the evidence. Unlike government, I'll put the evidence on the table. The evidence for me is that government keeps talking about the fact that they have done the opposite of what they've done. They're refusing to ex- to recognize that what they have done is actually widening the gap. Uh, and I have endless government ministers and a lot of their supporters in the public media, uh, supporters that go into the public media, are basically saying, ah, but the, 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 we, how could you possibly they'd be possibly worse off when they got an increase of €12? But in actual fact, they needed €20 Euro to get back to the value of, their, of the uh, basic welfare rate. Um, if they were to bring it back to the value that it was in in 2007-8, uh, uh, they'd have had to increase it by almost another 10 euro a week. But just to keep pace with inflation over the last few years, just to keep the value of the payment, they had to, uh, they, they should have had an increase of 20 euro. But what do the government do? Pretend. They know, like, the evidence is crystal clear. Every organization, like from the Vincent de Ball to the Uh, senior citizens parliament to age action to children's rights alliance, everybody involved in this business basically argued for this increase of 20 euro a week in budget 2023 Mm. and it was, that call and the agreement on it was based on a lot of evidence and a lot of research, some of it done by us some of it done by others, but the bottom line in it is government basically rejected that and hasn't basically been prepared to talk to us about it at all, Mm. they're convinced Inside, like we meet them, and they they can't believe what we're saying, and yet we're saying here's the evidence. Go look at it. But then, of course, what they do is as government is they go away and they they put the bigger emphasis and more money into PR to convince people that they're going that they're doing a good job. When in actual fact, they are presiding over poor the number of people uh, people in poverty growing. And the value of the welfare rates that they have, the poorest are depending on that. They're, they're presiding over the fall in the real value of that. At the same time, there's the, when they talk about the budget coming mm. up in twenty four. What are they talking about? The, even the Taoiseach himself only a few days ago we have to reduce taxation
4: Right and is that music to the ears of the Fine Gael constituency or the Fianna Fáil or the Green uh, Party uh, I mean when you talk about 670,000 people living in poverty in this country do you believe that any of those people vote for those parties?
2: Well I I, I don't know who votes for who now, except there's lots of there's lots of research in that but the bottom line in it mm. is I would put it to Fine Gael, supporters, Fianna Fáil supporters, Green Party supporters, do you support a widening of the rich poor gap? Do you think it's a good thing in the budget that the gap between the poorest in society and people on 100 grand mm. is actually widened?
4: But that's the question our listeners need to be asking of our politicians exactly. because people only end up politicians if they get elected. That's correct.
2: And I think they should be electing politicians who basically work on evidence. And the evidence in this context is that the rich-poor gap has been widening. It needs to be narrowed, not widened, in a budget. And the government has the tools and it has the money, more than, like it has floods of money yeah. and they have, they have lots of ideas or lots of good ideas there are no, I don't say the government has but there are a lot of good ideas about what needs to be done uh, uh, with the, to make sure that that money is, 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 is solid and, mm. and is, is the way it ought to be and we were it's talking used about used a lot of things
4: we, we were talking about a lot of the obstacles uh, that uh, people with disabilities uh, face uh, in terms of transport not just public transport but taxis and so on and other issues uh, such as uh, being lifted into a, a bath because the grants aren't there uh, for the adaptation of somebody's house uh, and so on. I don't know how many times on Friday I said, what year is it? Uh, Because you do have to wonder why we're failing so many people with such basic necessities when we're rolling in it. Uh, And the government has a lot of money. Uh, And you're saying today that it's time to spend this money on services for people.
2: Precisely, and the, 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 what you just talked about is exactly the kind of thing that will not have any impact on inflation or anything like that. Why? Because it's a one-off payment when people get the infrastructure that they require so that, like, if you're, that depends on whether you're chipping out taxis or, you know, adjust, uh, adjusting taxis or getting the requirements for people with disabilities to be raised into in bed or whatever the story may be That uh, that's required. Uh, that's a one-off expenditure, and I think when when we're talking about and we'll be talking about the budget in a, in a, in a month or two uh, what we one of the things we'll be saying very loudly in that is that some of this money that uh, is there should be spent on infrastructure one-off infrastructure this is the one-off income should be spent on one o- once off infrastructure. Once you provide, once you upgrade the taxi, once you provide the infrastructure for, for, for lifting people in or whatever, they, mm, whatever mm, is required mm, in mm. that space, you, you've done it. You don't have to do it again next year and the following year. You do it mm. once.
4: Or, or build a rail line or build a hospital. Whatever, a, a, a whatever the story exactly or Build the houses, right? Yeah. 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 Probably yeah. the most important. We could probably do with a few of them, but we, we need the vision to do it. Uh, uh, and uh, you seem to be wondering if we're able to visualize an alternative. That's the story
2: that really concerns us because we seem unable to envisage an alternative. We're stuck. like, And government keeps saying, oh, we're doing the best we can. No, you're not. Like, if you look at what happened when we COVID struck, nobody could have envisaged the successful tackling of that particular pandemic when it was taken as, taken aboard by government as a crisis that had to be dealt with. It was dealt with As a response to a crisis, like as if you were in a war situation or whatever. That has not, never been the situation on housing. Uh, Like, we are in a similar situation, however, with housing because we have people sleeping on streets. We have people looking for housing that have no hope of getting it. With the cost of housing has gone so far uh, beyond Uh, uh, ordinary people uh, and I'm talking about people with incomes here or double incomes in households and we have a persistent homeless crisis with the number of people accessing emergency homeless accommodation now exceeding 11,700. So like... And that's up substantially, this understand, even last, on a month, on a year ago. Like, okay. So what we're looking at is a situation where government is kind of wringing its hands and bewailing the reality, but not actually doing what's required to tackle it. If this issue of the number of houses that we need to build. Uh, the government's assessment is just that over 59,000 households are in a queue for social housing. Our estimate is that it's one hundred and thirty three thousand, not not 59,000. And the government is sort of, when it starts out with sort of stupid numbers that are completely set up to, to, to create an illusion, for example, when I say that, When when they calculate their 59,000 households are are in Mm. the queue, they leave out everybody that the government is already supporting, like for housing assistance payment or rental uh, assistance payment, you know, the the RAS Mm. or the HAP. These things, uh, these schemes um, are actually where the government is actually supporting people uh, in private rented uh, accommodation because they can't afford it themselves those people should be in social housing. Therefore, you should include them in the numbers. One statistic I'll give you that will surprise your listeners, I yes. suspect. Mm-hmm. The, the, across Western Europe in, the, in, in, in countries like our own, um, we, the, the average uh, number of houses, the percentage of houses uh, in, in, uh, that are social houses are, are about uh, 20% of all houses. Here, it's 9%. So why are, we not, why are we so surprised that we actually have a problem? The other piece is government never seems to update uh, the numbers. And, like, they're talking about numbers, oh, we did this 10 years ago, and now we're mm-hmm. doing so much more. But you're not keeping pace even with the expansion in population. The population projections that we had 10 years ago have been exceeded. They're, we have a larger population now. So we have a situation where there's a huge challenge to sort of deliver mm. much more social yep. housing than even the government is envisaging. Yeah, we, it we can be done.
4: We hear comparisons with 1975 when the population was about 3.2 million compared right. to 5.1 right. million now. Mm. Uh, so the need was less. Uh, so it's not comparing apples with apples. Uh, we're out of time and we have to leave it there for the moment. But thank you very much, as always, for joining us on to be Go
3: here. On, as always, Michael. thank
4: Michael. you indeed. That's Doctor John Healy, the Director of Social Justice Ireland. 086
3: 1800 658. The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by
4: Airgrid. Managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Any people listening uh, this morning will know that the 101X bus goes from Dundalk to Drogheda to Dublin Airport and into the city from there. If you were listening to the programme on Friday, you may have heard me speaking with the CEO of Bus Erin And I asked him why the 101X is always late.
5: You know, Monday to Friday, which used to be different, it's very different now than it was pre-COVID. People, you know, many people remote work Monday. can be Traffic can be different on a Monday mm. than it is on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. On Friday, people remote working in many instances. Weekend travel has completely accelerated where it was. So there are a huge amount of variables that we're taking into account. Mm. But there's and a huge isn't, commitment isn't to do it like and to deliver it. And I, I can certainly come back on the 100X and say mm. exactly what's being done in relation to that. But it, it, isn't that particular it like that, route will be one that we will be very committed yeah. to make sure that people arrive at the time that we're trying to say that the time was able
4: to... Don't you face the same challenges in, in Copenhagen or Berlin, as uh, the case may be, but the bus comes on time and arrives on time, and uh, I think well, that's what bamboozles visitors who come from overseas to spend some time in this country, and they're standing at a bus stop wondering, where's the bus?
5: Well, there's a slight difference in, in the sense that, you know, it, there's, there's far too much dependency on the car in this country. 74% of journeys taken on the car and as much less can be less than 10% in relation to buses. And the level of bus prioritisation that's inside in this country, outside of Dublin, there's only 30 kilometres of bus prioritisation around the whole country.
4: Right, that's uh, Stephen Kent. He's the CEO of Bus Air. And I speak to Rory O'Murikush in Faint TD for Loud and Eastmeath, who's on the line. And you wrote to Bus Éireann some time ago about this bus and how it's always late. I think listening to the CEO... It's not possible uh, to have the bus run on time because it seems there's too many cars on the road. What did you make of his response?
1: Well, uh, I'm hoping he comes back with something more substantive than he said. He, I think he did make that promise to you that he would, that he would come back, so we'll see what that, that answer is. Look, we we all accept... Here, see if we went in a period, let's say six to nine months ago, you know, when we had just probably initially come out of COVID, you had an element probably, I, I know myself from even going up to Dublin, where you were two hours where you previously would have been an hour and 15 minutes. And um, now that seems to have rectified itself in, in, in some sense. So, and you've stated it before, the problem with the 100x has been going on forever. People assume it will be uh, late. We were told, obviously, reviews were going on um, and that that this particular issue would be addressed. But I literally had someone in my constituency office the other day and in fairness, uh, they were dealing with another issue. And they were saying how lucky they were because the 100X was late, they were able to get it because their flight had been held up. You know, I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing. It's that no. that person. I think bad. people.
4: Who, I think people who regularly use the bus don't turn up for the bus themselves on time because they know they're only wasting their time. They'll come ten or fifteen minutes after the scheduled departure time.
1: Uh, yeah, and the only thing that I saw in relation to any change in relation to it was, I think, uh, from uh, uh, Sunday, Sunday, February the twelfth, they added. Um, four more buses. I think there's, you, you know, know, nineteen up and down. You and know, they're all late <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's. Well, that's it. I imagine possibly yeah. the one at the beginning and end isn't. You know,
4: and I wonder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I wonder if that's the problem. We were told there's too many cars on the roads, and ironically, obviously, the thing is, is that it's motorway from Dundalk to Drogheda. It's motorway from Drogheda uh, to the airport, uh, so there shouldn't be any real delay because of traffic or whatever.
1: Well, well, particularly, particularly when you're talking about the airport, because I know I've spoken to bus companies before who have said on the journey into Dublin they were looking for the ability to be using the hard shoulder. I think that happens going into Belfast and other places. And again, the whole idea is you need to make sure there's a time bang for buck for people who mm. travel on buses, so therefore that they will select that. But like a bus service that never runs on the basis of its timetable is never going to, you know. Mm. Basically, get more people off out of their cars.
4: And, and as you support, say, we want. the bus has been late. It's always late, and it's been the situation for years. I was very surprised to hear Stephen Kent, the CEO of Bus Éireann, say, "There's teams of people working on this."
1: I was about to say, "Timings teams, or you know, people who are engaged in relation to that." Well, I, I, I think I'd like to see some element of the output of of that work. And I'm mm. not saying that it isn't happening, but we need to see something happening fairly soon. And in fairness, my fifteen. Of
4: people, I, 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 I couldn't understand the point that teams of people were working on this, because if the 1 o'clock bus, uh, I mean, it's just one example, uh, take any hour of the day, but if the 1 o'clock bus always arrives at 20 past 1, why not change the timetable so that it's the 20 past 1 bus?
1: I, I would agree with some of that. What I'd also say is I think you brought up the issue in relation to it seems to take a hell of a lot of time. In order to get people on the bus, mm. there is the issue as well in relation to uh, people coming with luggage and, and all the rest of it. And again, when I was told that this was being reviewed and this was being looked at, you know, that all this was being taken into account, but I haven't seen anything, you know, from it now. Mm. Maybe,
6: maybe. So we I'm can... doing
1: a chase up in relation to yeah. it, like every issue. I have rarely dealt with an issue that got dealt with, and you could say done and dusted, and you could put it away, and if. In a folder somewhere, yeah. or through the shredder. Unfortunately, this is this this is the case. I, I'll also be honest. Uh, yeah. I had people come to me about the services within the town, mm. and they had spoken about the fact that here some of the commuter, for well, the want of a better term, like you're talking about, like the Bay base date and Fatima buses, and um, that uh, they are not able to deliver, let's say, the, every thirty minutes. Um, that they're meant to be so um, in fairness the guy was asking whether it would be possible to change it to 45 minutes he had actually been on to NTA and he'd been on to bus air and and one push to the other now if you talk to the guys locally what they are stating is it's just not possible to deliver that service and some of that is Mm. the issues that uh, Stephen Kent was talking about in the centre of town and anyone who's been in the centre of Dundalk on a Friday will realise you just can't get around the place now I think it's a wider issue I will be chasing it with NTA and uh, with Bucerin, mm. but I think there is a wider issue as well with Loud County Council. Mm. We're talking about the, of, the sequencing of lights. Mm. We're talking about, I suppose, parking on the side of the roads. If you're talking about the likes of Francis Street, mm. uh, look, and just the fact is, you know, every small clog creates a bigger clog and a but bigger you, But you prepare
4: club. for it. I mean, you look at what they do in, in exactly. other countries. I mean, I, people will say you can't prepare for the traffic. You can. Uh, because look at what they do in other countries. I was talking Uh, Stephen Kent about Berlin and Copenhagen Uh, and uh, and a lot of people will be familiar with bus services in Europe Uh, and let's say the bus is meant to leave uh, at 9.50 but you're sitting on the bus now and everybody has got on at the bus stop uh, and it's what uh, 9.42 the bus will just sit there it won't leave till 9.50 and that's the way the buses are scheduled so that it never leaves early and it never leaves late uh, and there's plenty of time to be on time if you understand what I mean
1: no, you can plan your day or you can plan your yeah. journey on the basis of that, that that's reliability. Whereas, you know, the only person that's going to get okay from the system we have is the person whose flight was delayed or whatever else yeah. and, you yeah. know, just gets lucky that once. But that's no good in relation to pre planning anything mm. or someone who's going to make a determination. I will not be using my car because I can rely on a public service yeah. and I make it and, and that benefits everybody within and society. It, it might take know.
4: longer. It might take longer for the bus. To travel its journey because it's going on schedule and won't leave early. It'll sit at the bus stop for five minutes if it has to because it's not meant to leave until nine fifty or whatever the case may be. But it will be on time, and that's where it means you can rely on the bus and the timetable. You mentioned there about people turning up at bus stops with luggage. Uh, I thought this was a particularly remarkable part of the interview, if we can replay that part, uh, because I did ask Stephen Kent on Friday about a scenario where you're at the top of the queue with your suitcase, the bus pulls up, you go and put your suitcase in the undercarriage, and then you find yourself at the end of the queue. I I asked Stephen Kent uh, if there was something that can be done about that. Well... Yeah,
5: I think you're, uh, from our perspective, look. When everybody's going to come, we'll try and accommodate. Well, we're going to make sure we we align people and uh, deliver the people. To, the answer is capacity. You know, oh, that's a, we that, that, that we can accommodate. In fairness,
4: Stephen, that, the that, challenge that, that that sounds like no, or I haven't thought about it. I'm not sure what that answer means, but it sounds like well, one or the other.
5: Well, you're asking me to try and figure out how to, to deal with somebody putting up with luggage. the answer, as the, sh- the, no,
4: the, the chief executive have, officer of and yes, I am.
5: Yeah, what I'm saying to you is the answer at the moment is capacity. That we have greater, we have, we have bigger volume buses uh, and with have more frequency, and that is the answer. So that nobody should be left behind.
4: Rory or what did you make of that?
1: I have no problem with there being more frequency, but this is an issue that has come up constantly. It's, not, you know, I. I wasn't the first person in the world that ever highlighted this and it had been highlighted to me many times before. I have no doubt that drivers get fed up listening to this and have passed it on to their superiors. But
4: what did you so, think of the CEO uh, turning around saying, are, are you actually asking me to find a solution to that?
1: Well, let's let's be clear. I'm fairly sure you weren't particularly enamoured with his answer. But if he go like, I'd like to think that he would take on board what has been said, and that if he's coming back to you with any update, and as I say, I will be doing a chase on this anyway. If he's coming back to you on any update in relation to the hundred X, and yeah, we welcome the fact of all the what has been said about the one hundred one X, and you know the greater amount, the twenty four hour. Connectivity, all that, all very positive, but see if you can't deal with those base problems that are causing, that are causing some of the timetabling issues and a, and lead to also huge annoyance for people. And you're probably talking about the person that's you know first person to the bus, very organised, yeah. hyper organised, and then ends up being the last person on. Uh, because they have to put their luggage o- underneath so none of that makes sense like we've seen this done abroad and, and you've seen it like absolutely streamlined you know through whatever means necessary mm. you know whether that's you know pre-purchase what, what, there yeah. has to be a way and a means of dealing with this
4: I, 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 I couldn't help but wonder afterwards um, about these teams of people uh, and management at Bucerin, uh who are looking at the timetables but can't come up with a reliable service if they've ever been on a, a bus, and, and I mean, if they've ever relied on a, a bus to get them to work or get them to the airport uh, on time for their flight or any of the things that people do on a daily basis with public transport.
1: Well, but look here, I, I honed in on that piece of the interview as well when I heard about timing schemes. And I said, like, that sounds very positive, but it's only very positive if they actually can come up with some sort of solution whereby we can do what they can do right across the rest of Western Europe and where um, public transport can operate on the timetable, as it states. You know, look, we all know the issues that we had in relation to, you know, the app in Dublin where people were looking for buses that they thought were approaching and then they weren't. They were calling them ghosts. You know apparitions on the basis of of the app system and I think some of those particular issues were resolved but I don't know what a timings team is doing if they aren't ensuring that a bus service can deliver on the basis of the timetable that they've put out and as I say if there are particular issues that we have to deal with I'm talking about what was happening what is happening in Nundalk at the minute well then there are issues that need to be addressed but look, there needs to be sense around that you offer a timetable that you can deliver. You don't offer one you can't. Because so all, all you're doing is going to lead to annoyance, to nuisance, to people being late who don't realize that the service never, it has never been on time. That's just not good enough. Okay. You know, it's as simple as that. So uh, I imagine you will be chasing back mm. in relation to an update on the 100X and in relation to what the timings team are doing, and whether there is a possibility of a more streamlined way of dealing with people with luggage getting on, and I will be doing the exact same.
4: Okay, well, it really is a, an Irish situation, uh, or it feels like that uh, in the worst possible sense uh, that we it can't, can't be beyond us to fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems to be the case. Thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, that's uh, Rory Muracushian, Fine TD for Louth and Eastmeath.
3: Michael at lmfm.ie
0: The Michael Reed Show with Airgrid managing and developing the national electricity grid
4: so that it's fit for our current needs and ready for our future ones. Now somebody says, Michael, tell the bus driver to put the luggage on first. Uh, thank you for your text to the programme. It's interesting to think that people listening to us uh, might have some ideas on how to make it fair and people who are at the bus stop first that they don't end up last because they've put their luggage into the bus given that it's a service uh, that <laughs> allows you to bring luggage with you. Uh, thank you indeed for your text. By the way, if you want to make a comment on the programme today, our telephone number is zero four one nine eight three two thousand text or WhatsApp 086. 086- email michael at lmfm.ie Marie, thank you for your text as well. She says she goes on the bus quite often uh, into town at 9 o'clock and comes back at 9.40. There doesn't seem to be much traffic on the road at that time. Uh, And I I take it that's uh, to do with too many cars on the road making the buses late. Uh, A Navin listener says it's inevitable that unless uh, there's a ban on non-EU citizens coming into Ireland uh, as the There's nowhere for them to live if they all decide to look for a payout from the state for human rights when they know too well there's no accommodation before they arrive here. They're they're destroying their paperwork at the airport uh, or they were up to recently, says our caller. What other country would allow that and uh, that we've had Irish people living in tents for years Uh, and why are are asylum seekers able to claim compensation, uh, asks our caller uh, who is obviously concerned uh, about that. Well, I think it's a very different situation. I don't think the people who've been living in tents, who were born in this country, Irish people living in tents, uh, weren't offered accommodation. They refused accommodation. There was emergency accommodation for them. They uh, may have been offered accommodation in a hostel or a hotel or a B&B or somewhere else for that matter. But they've refused the accommodation. The problem here is that there's no emergency accommodation for I think it's close to 600 people now, 600 men, uh, 500 and something, uh, the latest figure, uh, and uh, they arrive into this country. uh, And you make the point about compensation. When they arrive into this country, there's an obligation on the state to provide them with accommodation. There is no option. Uh, The state must at least offer some sort of accommodation to them or we're in contravention of uh, a number of international treaties. And yes, there are other countries exactly like us. Uh, because they are international uh, agreements uh, and that is the obligation on all states uh, to do that. Uh, Paddy Duffy uh, in touch with us, he says that as long as Finnegale has anything to do with uh, government, prices for everything will only go up. Their ideology of laissez-faire towards the market has that consequence. One other individual who held that ideology was one Charles Trevelyan and we all know how that worked out for our people. Thank you, Patty. Uh, I uh, will inform myself later, but thank you for your message. Uh, an email uh, that comes to us overnight from Alice Munholland, who says she was listening to the programme on Thursday, uh, talking about the reduction in the price of milk and butter and something that has been annoying, Helen, for months in relation to the increase in grocery bills for... Uh, one is that real butter has increased... Uh, by at least a euro a pound as everything has increased. Uh, For example, Don's own brand... Dilute fruit juice has gone from 99 cent to 149. Nicky kitchen roll up almost a euro and they have cut the sheet size by almost a quarter. Uh, so you're actually getting smaller sheets. Nor gluten free gravy went up from 269 to 375. Nor also dried soup packets. Uh, they've reduced the size of the packet and the contents from 78 grams to 51 grams and increased the price by 30. Thirty cent. Brennan's always went with uh, the the bread. Beg your pardon. Brennan's bread has gone from ninety five cents to two oh nine. And Alice says these are just a a few examples. Uh, I was never a browser shopper, and I always went with a a list of what I I needed. So I never took much heed of the prices because if you need it, you need it. But for, for the last year or more. I've been watching the prices and the change in terms of uh, the different products, the above uh, that she mentioned, she says, are only a small list of the changes. And I, I don't know if uh, the retailers or the suppliers who are really taking the piss out of all of us are really struggling to survive themselves at the moment. Thank you indeed, Alice, uh, for your email to the programme. Good to hear from you. And thank you indeed uh, for taking the time to share all of that with us. Uh, WhatsApp message, uh, again on the Buses. Jim in touch. He says, bus conductors are needed. Uh, it's simple. You get bus conductors and you sort out a lot of these problems. Uh, on West Street, he says, cars are parked at the bus stop, never a guard to move them on, so the buses are held up every hour. Common sense, not so common, says Jim. Uh, another WhatsApp message from somebody who says, Michael, the reason I wouldn't use public transport is you pay for a seat, but then you have to stand, and it happens all of the time. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the arguments. We're being told to take the train uh, or, or get the bus uh, and save the planet um, and leave our car at home. It's a long way to stand, quite often, if you're travelling any distance. Uh, and uh, I think uh, it's not the type of journey that people want uh, they want to have a seat, uh, and you're paying good money. You should be getting a seat. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know public transport. Uh, really has been behind it in this country, uh, and I'm sure that, that there will be improvements. But I'm not sure how quickly those improvements will come. Although it is an awful lot better than the old days, I do remember waiting two hours for a bus at times back in the old days. Anyway, uh, and no sign of it. Uh, forget about timetables; uh, you wouldn't even look at them. Anyway, if you want to make a comment on the program, oh four one nine eight three two thousand. That's oh four one nine eight three two thousand. If you want to ring us, text or WhatsApp oh eight six one eight hundred six five eight. Email Michael at lmf.
0: Call Michael now. 041 983 2000. The Michael Reed Show. Brought to you by AirGrid. Managing and planning the national grid
4: so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Now if you were listening to us on uh, Friday morning, uh, you probably will remember hearing Senator Eileen Flynn tell the Shannon that she will welcome hate speech legislation which is making its way through the Oireachtas at the moment and also uh, telling uh, senators uh, a personal story about how a taxi driver wouldn't bring her home uh, on Wednesday night. Senator Flynn, good morning to you and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme. Maybe you'd take us back over what happened to you on Wednesday night.
7: Uh, good morning, Michael, and thanks for having me on uh, the programme. Basically, I um, got a ta- um, taxi from Iraq in um, the city on a Wednesday uh, night, and the taxi driver said to me, where are you going to? I said, Bally Farmers. Now, this is really common because of the working class area. The taxi drivers may say to you, have you got money? And I said to him, of course I've money. Went to Bally Farmers and I der- gave them directions up to the site. He stopped about two hundred yards before he came to the site and he said, No, he said, I'm not bringing you in there and I said to him why and all he said to me was, There's caravans in there. So, um, I just said to him, That's fine. I said, I I I won't be paying you because how, why why would I pay if you're not gonna take me to your destination? And um, he um he, he said to me he was going to call the guards and I was just reality checked, like I was the one that was uh, um he he was he wasn't dropping home. So I called Scouts and I got uh, an operator, obviously the 999 number, and his he, he, he first uh, action was, actually, what he said to me first was, you know, this is a waste of guarded time. And I said to him, I said, it may be for you, I said, I'm a public representative, I'm not going to let any harm come to this uh, driver. Like, I'm not that stupid to bring him into a place where I think he's going to be a harm, especially being a public representative, if you get me. Yeah. And... Uh, so at that point he got very kind and and he said he asked the driver I put him on loudspeaker why won't you bring me to, in, into my house and my family home and basically the driver said the one response again I'm not going in there he said it's car, caravans and their trailers and basically the um, operator had to stay in the phone this conversation was done for four minutes you know mm-hmm. while the operator could be talking to someone who's in a real emergency I get that too but the reality is, uh, Michael when you keep experiencing racism and discrimination and you're an equal member of Parliament, you know, when I go into Leinster House, I know I'm an equal member, I've never felt anywhere less in in Leinster House because I know that's my space to be able to speak up, to look at legislation, Mm. to tried to make the world a better place for people in working class communities and people from minority groups, like my like my own, the Traveller community. And it just really hurt me. The next morning I was up and out for 8 o'clock and I couldn't wait just to kind of, you know, I was so angry and feeling emotional, crying, upset, thinking like no other senator or no TD would have to experience what I have to experience. Now, I don't mind. I'm used to it my whole life and I see this happening in Travelers all of the time, but the reality is it's not acceptable. And I, I am aware that you know some people have been sending in. You now the majority of messages I got has been lovely, uh, supportive messages. Mm. But then I've been getting the ad ones. Oh, it's the traveler's fault. And um, he was afraid to go in. I don't believe he was afraid to go in because I, I believe it was blatant discrimination.
4: You just didn't want to go in. Right, okay. I, I was actually just going to ask you that. Uh, uh, have you spoken to him since? Because uh, this has got a, a quite a, a bit of publicity. Uh, has there been any contact uh, over the last few days?
7: No. Oh, no. Okay. And, and the reality mm-hmm. is uh, Michael, you know, there's only so much rejection you could actually face. And mm-hmm. even before I was ever uh, in um, in the shan I've experienced racism and I have experienced it even with my colleagues uh, last uh, last June um going into a place I was refused and people may say what like how does people know you're a traveller and I know in Dublin when you speak I don't have a common Dublin accent and there's no way to be able to take you You have to bring your cases through the working relation courts which is in my opinion very inappropriate because it could take up to four years for your uh, uh, for your case to be heard and with that very little uh, cases get guess uh, get um, if you want to say, like, where in my case in 2019, actually I was six months pregnant with Billy. I was at the High Court for being refused entrance to the Penny Blue in um, in, in Dublin, and the judge said I didn't look like a traveller. Therefore, my case was uh, was thrown out. But I know with all my heart and soul that I was refused because I was a member of the traveller community. I didn't have a common Dublin accent, and the 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 the, the, the Person said to me, "Where are you from?" I said, "I'm from Ballyfin." Farms and mm. straight away. It was like, "No," and and that shouldn't be the case. I believe that we should have pre-legal aid for for people from uh, um, minority backgrounds to be able to take discrimination cases. Because I know maybe a lot of your listeners might might say, "You know, she's moaning, she's giving out, or she thinks she's something." I I I don't. I know exactly. People say, "Never forget who you are." I know exactly who I am and mm. the challenges as an 18-year-old, a 12-year-old uh, coming through um, society, if you want. Being a young child in hospital after my mother died, being in an accident, I know the inequalities that travelers face. And you know, mm. I'm in a position, a strong position, and very privileged to be in, it, to be able to actually stand up and say yeah. this is still the reality.
4: Yeah, and you're, you're, you are an outstanding public representative, if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, but I, I think if it was any other senator uh, who was told by a taxi driver, I'm not bringing you home, uh, there'd be an outcry.
7: Yeah, and the thing is, Michael, I will be very honest, and I haven't said this It's uh, publicly, you know, in one part of me, I've got two little girls, and one part of me felt so sorry for even doing that statement on Wednesday because the backlash that my community has got and the amount of discrimination now again I got more support but the reality of it is when you talk out about discrimination when mm. you talk about your stories you know you have to expect that there's going to be an awful lot of hatred that, can, that comes back with that you know yeah. and I've been experiencing it but it's not about me I'm a 33 year old woman I, I, I've i had numerous experiences in life with discrimination and racism racism and being rejected it's the young child of 11 years of age who's putting on social media and seeing horrible comments towards the community you know i understand there's good and bad i get it and i'm sure to god there's been incidents on heart sites and there has been incidents on that yeah. as well i i i get it i'm not naive around it but the reality is you know, when you know it's safe, when you like know that nothing's gonna happen to him and like even if he was on that uh, phone to the operator, was going out was the danger for because he didn't have an operator mm. on the phone. And what could the operator have done? You're gonna still have to wait maybe five minutes, four minutes for for the guardian to
4: come. Yeah. Um you live on the halting side by choice you haven't forgotten where you come from or who you are for that matter quite obviously uh, did you ever think about moving out of the halting site uh, would it life be easier for you if you did
7: um, I live in my my home is Donegal I have two yeah. little girls yeah. I married and, uh, in Donegal in uh, no Michael you know because again like that society tried to tell you that you know and an awful lot like the good traveller you know that kind of way oh she's good he's good and like the majority and I know you're listening some of them might actually say she's talking bull but a lot of travellers are very good living people and we just want to get on with our life, mm. you know, and even around employment, like there's over um, 86% of unemployed uh, travellers and the reason for that is that the people who, who are empowered, the people who do have businesses, which is the majority of the general population, will not employ a traveller. I know many young travellers that mm. in the education system at the moment, some young travellers I'm supporting to go in the local elections and you know, Like it's one world at the end of the day and we want to play an equal part in Irish society, but it is up to the settled community to to take us as individuals um, instead of taking us as a whole community and some of the shit that you see, excuse me, language, you see in social media, that's not every traveler in the country, you know, and uh, like, and I will say like the over representation of the Traveller community in our prison system in, in both the women and men's prisons. You know, if you go into uh in I- Ida cousin and I spoke about this before, who said to me shortly after i had been uh, being nominated by the Seashock it was I think it was September uh, three years ago, it'll be three years, he said to me, I'm up in court on uh Tuesday eileen and I said, Oh, like you'll be okay, go in and the judge will know you're a good person, whatever. And he said to me, Will you stop being foolish? He said, As soon as I go in there and found guilty, he said, Not for the crime, I found guilty, he said, because I'm a member of the travel community. Mm. And, and, and and that struck me. And it's
4: yeah, and wh- whether it's, whether it's true or not, it's, uh, it is true. If that's what you believe yourself, it's true in your world. Perception is reality for people. Uh, but uh, you said the taxi driver asked you if you had any money when you asked him to take you to Ballyfermot? was that because you were going to ba- Ballyfermot, or because you knew yes. you were a traveller? Uh, because I was going to Ballyfermot. So you were being discriminated against on the double like?
7: Oh yeah, but I yeah. see mm-hmm. that the, the, you you grow up with this and I know it's the same for people in Ballymun and parts of Tala mm-hmm. as well, you know, and, and we do have to accept that not every person getting a taxi is is is, is going to pay money and that is the reality that we live in as well you know and I will have to say uh, Michael the majority of uh, like taxi drivers and especially the ones in Valley Farm at rank are very kind to me very good but you know it's just it's actually empowering me to just take to the road myself because I've I've had enough of this when it comes to uh, getting taxis, and even mm. during this week, I'll probably have no choice but to get a taxi when you're leaving late. at night, nice, you know, mm. uh, if you're in some of the evenings and stuff. And i suffer from really bad anxiety in public uh, transport and stuff. And I don't know, like. Again, there's no like you could sit here all day, but there's no excuse for a, a taxi driver if you have the money not to bring you to uh, to where you need to yeah. go.
4: So we need to look at that. And I heard uh, you. I mean, we all heard you. I suppose uh, tell your story uh, to your colleagues in Canada, and and you advise for other travellers as well if a taxi refuses to take them home to ring the guards.
7: Yeah, yeah. Once you get into that uh, taxi and you say you're going to, for an example to, to value money you might be going to Saint Margaret's Hospital. I I would, you know, because I know that you might say oh, I'm not the guard shop, but well, whose shop is it then? Whose shop is it? Because the guards are meant the guard here are meant to protect all of it. Uh, all, all of us, and that includes people of colour. It includes members of the Travelling community, and 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 therefore, you know, they do have a responsibility. I will say it's not the strongest area for the guards, and um, because I remember in twenty seventeen, uh, Michael, and um, been on the south where I live, and the sergeant in Bally farmer police station, uh, guard station, um um, cardinals, a pack of scummy knackers out through the window of the car. I'll never ever forget it. Oh and God. I went down to, yeah, and this was long before I was centre. went down to the Bally Farmer police station, wanted to uh, report a, a hate crime and basically um, uh, they said the guards don't do uh, uh, any uh, reports around hate crime so I had to speak with GSOC and, and again he told me there were no case. Now it might be a water case, mm. you know, but again that's like there's no, um, we need a focus uh, and form mm. or focus and um, maybe a dozen, half dozen of guards that, mm. that are
4: equipped to be able to deal. No no, no, no matter how tough you are, Eileen, I, I mean, that has to get you. I mean, if yeah. that's if the people are speaking to you like that all of the time, it has to get in under your skin. Like,
7: yeah. Sometimes, like that, mm. that that's what happened to me, and because uh, I didn't. Speak about the incident that happened to me last uh, last June in 2022, i never spoke about some of the other incidents that happened, even in families, over the last uh, few months. And I don't like I don't expect people to know me, Michael. I'm not one of my own importance. I know exactly who I am, you know. But the the, the whole thing is, you shouldn't have to pay a sentence for that being rejected and rejected and for me and Wednesday was just that was it like because I was in a room full of people with brilliant degrees and as I said in the shamans a lot of people in in their house uh, TDs and senators were all human at the end of the day and I, people who I thought was enemies of the community enemies of working class people actually are, are, are in there for some of them are in there for the right reasons and I've met some great friends and uh, both uh, TDs and senators. And um, what I will say is that that just the emotions really got the better of me. And one part of me is even after I hung up the phone and I was speaking to you, you know, some of it is saying, "Is it worth it?" And the reality is, it, it, it will be worth it for my children growing up. I, I hope so. I hope that my generation is the generation that has to bear mm-hmm. um, the, the bitter. Uh, Hate towards the community, and, and again, the political will. We need a, like mm. there's over two hundred members in, um, in 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 parliament, and I ge- I believe maybe six to ten of those ten people. If there's even twenty of them who are genuinely uh, committed to human rights and policy, I don't see that because if that was the case, we'd have better measures in place that will protect. All people, including people from uh, like poor people, uh, yep. economic uh,
4: mm-hmm. disadvantaged backgrounds. You, you give us all a lot to think about uh, this morning. Uh, thanks for speaking to me uh, and for joining us on the program once again.
7: Thanks uh, so much, Michael. Take um, care.
4: Bye bye. YouTube. Thank you, Senator Eileen Flynn.
7: Call Michael now. Oh four one nine eight
0: three two thousand.
4: Michael Reed Show, brought to you by Airgrid,
0: managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity, when and where
4: they need it. Well, the problems of accessing transport were highlighted in the DAW last week with uh, a motion uh, from uh, the independent uh, group which called on the government to invest in infrastructure that considers and supports accessibility, mobility and the inclusion for people with disabilities. Let's uh, speak uh, to one of uh, the sponsors of uh, this motion, Independent TD, for loud at least me, Peter Fitzpatrick, who's on the line. A very good morning to you, Peter. Thank you, uh, indeed, uh, for joining us on uh, the programme. There were uh, many uh, uh, aspects to your motion, uh, and not just investing in transport for people with disabilities, but getting all government departments to work with people who have disabilities and their advocates uh, to improve the services. We heard of a, an awful lot of deficits. There's an awful lot wrong seems.
8: Michael, back in back in February 2022, we uh, introduced a similar motion and nothing happened. We got another opportunity there last Wednesday as the, as a regional group, and uh, we, uh, we had an opportunity to, uh, to just to basically say, nothing has happened over the last 14 months. Uh, you know, transport is a very big uh, uh, thing for people with disabilities. Like, for example, at the moment, the amount of people who, who uh, can't get out of their own homes the better people can get to work on everything else. And all we're looking for is an equal opportunity. And that's all we're asking about. We're not asking for anything different. Uh, back, back there in uh, in 2013, there was three schemes available. Uh, two, two, two of the schemes were done away with. Mm. Uh, the young the, the, the man found that uh, there were breach of equal status. And now you know, there's, 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 there's basically only one avenue there that people can get a bit of like For a simple thing, or putting a wheelchair into a car or even getting a swivel seat, People just looking for that wee bit ahead.
4: What I car? Mean, what car? I mean, uh, you, you told the doll last week that there's only one wheelchair accessibility taxi available in Dundalk.
8: Well, you know, for example, there at the moment is, uh, if, if you want to go somewhere, people don't realise that When you have a disability, even just to try to go to, even like for me, go to Churchill, go, go somewhere. The, the planning you have to do, and especially if you're in a wheelchair, you, you have to get someone to come in that out there. And like they, the, the thing that really surprised me, Michael, when when he studied the whole situation was like eighty eighty six percent of like bus. Everyone had a fleet of over eight hundred and sixty buses, and and and, and, and uh, they've all got uh, a wheelchair accessibility. But the situation at the moment is you have to ring them up twenty four hours to make a plan, and and uh, they, 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 they get the lift checked, and it takes actually four seat out, just trying to go somewhere just because you have a disability. Really? And, uh, yeah. and uh, the the, the, big, the biggest the hold on is. There's nearly 700,000 people in our country that had some form of disability. And you, you can imagine, say, in for example, maybe a population of, seven, say, 15,000. You imagine about the people in dog that has a disability, and only one taxi. You ring up there, and you're trying to maybe organize something for the day or something tomorrow. Mm. You'll have, have to maybe ring up a week or two in advance. And then even when you do book in advance, you're always a bit afraid that maybe it's double growth in that day. But This is something simple. I don't think the money's the situation because I was listening to Anne Lambert there speaking there their last Wednesday and she stated that there's $212 million being spent on on transports uh, uh, for people with disability. And I'm just saying said where is it? Because they, it, 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 there's something seriously, seriously wrong. And uh, I, 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 I'm a TD and I will be honest, uh, public transport doesn't need really to suit me, Michael. And the simple reason it certainly is I could be going away at 9 o'clock in the morning. I could be coming home at 12 o'clock in the evening. Mm. You just don't know why you're coming in. Like, you know but at least I can plan my day. Mm. But someone, someone with a disability, uh, I remember back in 2014, Mike, and I broke my hip. I was in crushed for nine months. And I'm telling you, even step a simple thing you know, if you're going up a set of stairs or trying to get into a car and out there, these people need a bit of head. They're not looking for any special treatment. They're just looking for yeah, a bit of help. Yeah. And I think, it, I've been a member of the regional group. We've got an opportunity last week to get to, to, you know, to, to mm. people be
4: aware. And it's all been by being aware. I'm and and very taken yeah, aback you know. about what you said about having to ring the bus uh, company and say, I want to get the bus tomorrow, and they take four seats out in order to make space for a wheelchair. That's unreal. What's the situation in Anagasan well, uh, the,
8: the, 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 there's people in Andy Garchy, Mike. You, you imagine you're, you're Andy. Gals. That's actually one part of County but it, It's a rural part. Nobody seems to want you, Mike. Lewis. And we, 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 we had a person that, that tried to to, try to, that, that, that tried to go onto a bus, cut me onto a bus. And they took him an extra four hours to, des- to get to his destination. And it cost him an extra couple of hundred euros. People don't mean like that. When you arrive at a bus, first of all, it, it, there is a lift in the bus. And um, first of all, the footpath has to be a minimum of three metres wide. And you look at Michael, you don't see that many bus stands when, 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 when the area, even such a country that has a three-meter footpath, it, it's nearly impossible to, to get onto a bus. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I was in Spain there last year, and, like, you know, the, the Spanish seems to have it and other countries seems to have a of situation. We have to treat people with disability with respect, and we don't see we doing it, we're doing a lot of good things. Yeah. but it's only, it's only when these things do happen yet. Yeah. Like I I just in the door last week. The myth we can all tell stories about people in wheelchair, wheelchairs, and everything else. But let, let's try to do something simple about it. Mm. You know, even something, you, mentioned, you mentioned I, I had in your program this morning talking about uh, foot pads and trying to get up and down, and cars being double parked, and people don't realise it. if you park your car on the footpath and someone reaches out trying to get past you. But the really thing that really does now is people want to live a normal and active life in the community. And at the moment, they can't get out there. Mm. They can go nowhere. But I think the government should go away and, and you know, invest, give, give more money to the likes of the taxi players at the moment. Now, I do believe there's a pilot scheme coming into the government at the moment, is, and they are going to invest money in, in taxis. But I think for 40 years... You imagine getting 260 you or know, 270 euros a week for being a, for, that, for having a disability, and anywhere you want to go, you, you lift the phone up, you ring up, you make an appointment, yeah. the next thing it's 40 euros. You tell me who can afford to pay 40 euros for a taxi. I, Michael, I can't afford to pay 40 euros on for taxi, mm. I, I'm sure you can, I know.
4: It's crazy. Um, I'll tell you a wheelchair story. Uh, not sure if it was John, I think it was John. Apologies, John, <laughs> if you're not John, I have your name wrong. Uh, but we had a call from a wheelchair user in Dundalk. On Friday, we were talking about the 100X then uh, and how it's always late. Uh, But John uh, called to say uh, that uh, he can't get the 100X in Dundalk uh, because they don't have the ramp for him to get onto the bus. Uh, And he's been told that if you want to get the 100X, you need to go to Drogheda to get the bus.
8: Michael, like, that's what I'm trying to say, Mike, this is the extra money. But when you look at it, the fleet the there's eight hundred and I'm being told there's eight hundred and sixty buses of in, in in Bus Erwin and I'm told that eighty six percent of them are oh, have got wheelchair access. But for John, the likes of John is John will have to ring up uh, the, the Bus Erwin, he'll have to tell him that he that he's planning to go to Dublin or Jordan tomorrow and they they'll have to go away get people in the move the move the seats. I can't understand why there's not permanently uh, seats there because uh, you know like if you get a to bust every bus tomorrow morning, it's, it's half empty. Like, you know, maybe the early ones in the morning, maybe mm-hmm. the 7 or 8 mm-hmm. o'clock, one, but most of the buses, Michael, are, 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 are half empty as such. And there's no reason I can't understand that. Like, I do actually know John, who you're speaking to me, like, because I actually spoke to John myself at the moment, and John is doing a lot of good work in the surrounding areas. And he, 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 I know he does a bit of research around the talk, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he reports be before. But, Michael, listen, all these people are looking for. Now, th- 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 these prime research, Michael, at the moment, I just looked through it the criteria you have to get one of them is unbelievable it's the only avenue that families have of getting you know, getting a bit ahead with, 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 with converting the car and that. And it's absolutely, to me it's absolutely crazy you have to have two legs missing or two arms missing it's nearly nearly completely an, an ugly it's yeah. possible and the, like the, the, the Indycom report stated that the people with disability at the moment it's costing an extra 9 to 12,000 euros per year to, to have them that there. Like, these people need help uh, us as a regional group we are listening to people at the moment. I, I, I know things are tough for most people at the moment. But who in this day and age, wants to be stuck in their own house, uh, can go out to a show, can meet our friends and everything Yet We have to, we have to, and th- 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 this working group has to do a wee bit more. As I said, you have $212 being spent every year. Mm. As far as I can say, it's not money being spent where, when, when these people are mean, stuck in their home. It's not fair, Michael.
4: Yeah, well, we heard so many stories uh, on Friday, and I don't know how many times I said, what year is it?
8: No, it, it's absolutely wrong, like, you know, I said you, there was three schemes back in 2013. Mm. They've done away with the scheme. The, the whole committee resigned because the thought the criteria is it, not fair. There's hundreds and hundreds of people every year that's, that's, that's been torn down. And the the pain the, the pay mechanism is totally, nothing totally wrong. There can be four or five hundred people each year being torn down. And then when you do a it, there's maybe 20 or 20 people getting it back again. It's wrong. The men was, the men was said it was wrong. They all resigned. And the other said maybe that it, it, it's going to be back up and running. When these people do need help. Like you know, I said, really a simple wee thing of, of wheelchair accident into a car. A simple thing that has a wee seat a wee swivel seat, that you can put a person uh, into his seat and he can, he can move it and move it later. Uh, these are simple things, these are simple things that people with disability need, and us as a government and us, us as people, we, we should be helping these people.
4: Mm. Uh, and it's one thing, uh, taxis deciding it's not viable for them to provide a, a service uh, for wheelchair users, but it is a different thing, isn't it, uh, with public transport, with the buses and the trains?
8: Like, as I said, you know, like, you know, like the, the bus, 860 buses, that's, that's, that's a lot of buses there at the moment. And it, 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 there's something seriously, seriously, utterly wrong. And it's the it likes it of, of someone who's willing to, you know, uh, be, you know organize themselves, uh, plan themselves and everything else. It's, it, it's, it's, the, it's the least they the, 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 the need. But in fairness, like I said, you know, over the last number of years, t- things are improving very, very slow. But, you know, as I said, there's you know, 700,000 people in this country with mm. disability. It, it, it sh- it's it's a shamled when you see in the in the one of the biggest towns in the country in the dock, that there's only one taxi that has a wheelchair around to me that, that that's an absolute disgrace michael mm. to uh,
4: are there incentives uh for taxi drivers uh, to become wheelchair accessible
8: oh, Michael the government has stated they're doing a the pilot scheme there is grants available there at the moment but uh <laughs> Uh, it means, you're, like, uh, it means you're, you're, you're tying up a tie like, you can still use a taxi with a wheelchair accessibility just for, for normal runs and everything at the moment Is I know it does cost a lot of money but would it would be nice you know, like, if, if, if the other taxi uh, companies in, 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 in the dark and, to and all the surrounding areas would go out and invest Let, let's give something back to this lady just you know, these people that's, that's been caught at home or people can't get to work in the morning time. And I believe it's, I think it's something like 23% of people with disability are working that's a very very low thing and especially in this day and age. Who wants to be stuck inside a house looking at four walls the whole day? Mm. These, are, these are people that maybe had an action, or people that didn't do something. That, like, like, but, and also, most of the people that had that a disability in Ireland, uh, as far as I know, is 33% of them are under the age of 45, and, and something like 60% of them are under the age of 60, or 65. These are very, very young people that want to be active, want to be involved in the community, want to give something back, and everything. Want mm. to work and well, just all they're looking for is, is the simple things, like and us and, and us
4: as a society, I'll it now. OK, I just bring one comment to you, if I can, uh, which has just come to us, uh, a text uh, from a lady with a disability living in Mead, and she tells us that up to now she's had her independence uh, because of the Drogheda Navan 190 bus service, and uh, the work uh, that has been done on the new roadway, uh, the uh, Slane roadway, uh, they've omitted to put back the bus stop, uh, they took down the bus stop and now she's no transport uh, and she needs to rely on others or pay for a taxi. Uh, she says uh, there are some people who live in our lane as well who are elderly and they used to travel by bus uh, to Navan. and they're unable to do so now. This has taken away that small bit of independence and humanity that I have. How much money do Mead County Council spend uh, uh, on roads like this? It's a simple issue that wouldn't cost a fortune to be rectified and both I and my fellow neighbours are at our wits' end. Please read this out because we need all of the help that we can get. That does seem a remarkable situation, doesn't it, Peter?
8: Well, as I said, a bus stop, a bus stop. It couldn't cost that much money for a bus stop. All we need a bus stop, three meters of a footpath, mm. in a wee area that people, On a wheelchair or people with disabilities can get onto the bus. It's absolutely, and it, 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 to me, it's a fundamental right for a person with disability. All they want to be part of our society. Mm. And Michael, it, 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 it's wrong. As I said, it's just $212 to be spent a year. Mm. And I I just want to Anne Lambert there. The working group are working together. But they've been been there for the last 12 months. And to me, it doesn't seem to be any kind of improvement. One department is living another Mm. department at the moment. They should all work together and just just give these people an opportunity to have a normal
4: active living life. And they do have a right to it, don't they? I mean, you mentioned rights, uh, but there's a a UN convention on, on this that Ireland has signed up to.
8: Yeah, back in 2006, Michael, we, we signed up to it, and, and, and in fairness, we are letting, we are we are letting our citizens, or well, letting the people with disability, completely knuckled there. It's absolutely, it, it, as you said, yeah, it's a fundamental right. Uh, like 2006 is a long time. Us as a government, we signed up to that there, and we, and we we're, we're not doing it. So I just hope mm-hmm. that the likes of uh, Roger Gorman and uh, uh, Ann Rabbit you know, sit, sit there. Department and just give these people what they what, what what they're entitled. A, a mm-hmm. of wee thing of getting out of their homes and meeting their friends, doing national families. Just all, all they want is a normal life. That's yeah. all about.
4: A yeah, life. yeah, it's not too much to ask. Uh, and we'll make contact with meet County Council uh, about that query uh, as well. But we we'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you, indeed, as always, for joining us on the program today. That's Independent uh, TD for Loud and Eastmeath, Peter Fitzpatrick. And uh, before we go to the break, let me remind you that if you want to make comment on the programme today, you can call us, let us know what's on your mind. Our telephone number is zero four one nine eight three two thousand. You can also text or WhatsApp on 086 1800 658. And you can email michael at lmfm.ie.
3: 086
0: Michael Reed Show. Brought to you by Airgrid. Managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need
4: it. Now talking of buses and a lot of people are talking about buses to us uh, today. Uh, somebody in touch on WhatsApp uh, says there's the same problems with uh, the town service in Drada, the bus for Ballsgrove and surrounding areas. None after seven Monday to Friday and six on Saturdays. None on Sundays for pensioners to get out of their homes per service, our caller obviously feels. Thanks uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, Good to be getting uh, these... complaints. I, I don't know if uh, highlighting them uh, will change uh, what's happening, uh, but it's certainly putting a spotlight on it and it could be a starting point. Uh, Paddy Duffy in touch uh, saying remind me again what party Peter Fitzpatrick belonged to when he entered the doll. I don't think Paddy needs reminding uh, that he, he was a member of Finnegale, uh, and uh, now as an independent a member of the regional group uh, rather than the other group that I mentioned earlier on. Mary in touch asking uh, about Eileen Fle- in and how the taxi wouldn't take her home to the halting site in Bally Firm. and she says maybe the taxi man was afraid Have other taxi men stroke ladies had problems dropping people off at halting sites, she wants to know. Uh, Well, we'd uh, Kevin Faulkner of uh, the the Taxi Drivers Association in touch with us uh, on Friday saying he'd often bring people into halting sites without any problems at all. Uh, Mick is in Kells and he's texting us today as well. He says he went into Super Value yesterday for three litres of milk at the fridge and it read 2.70. At the till it was 3 euro. Uh, Some problem there obviously uh, with uh, the pricing system, Anne in touch saying if I I take somebody into my house I'll not lose my entitlements but if I have a son or a daughter living with me i lose all of my entitlements I'm not sure what it is, Uh, you're talking about Anne I I think it's probably the rent a room scheme uh, where now everybody regardless of uh, whether you're uh, living in your own house or such or a council house uh, can take somebody in rent a room out for 14,000 euro, up to 14,000 euro a year Tax-free. I I imagine there's no consequence, uh, but if uh, she has somebody living with her, um, a member of the family, then there are consequences. Thanks. And I hope I have that right. Bernadette in touch with us as well about the cost of living. She says, people used to make gravy years ago from tea with no milk on it when frying food on the pan. God, really? <laughs> I don't think that's gravy, is it? That's tea. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm sure uh, it's true, though. A sign of hard times, uh, desperate times, uh, quite obviously. Thanks for sharing that with us. Our telephone number, zero four one nine eight three two thousand. 2000 Text or WhatsApp, zero eight six one eight hundred six five eight. Email michael at lmfm.ie. Now, let's bring you some good news. Uh, there was a, a time that the mere mention of the word COVID uh, would have you anxious and worried about what they're going to tell you. Uh, But let's hear some good news about COVID.
6: COVID COVID-19 has exposed and exacerbated political fault lines within and between nations. It has eroded trust between people, governments and institutions fueled by a torrent of mis- and disinformation. And it has laid bare the searing inequalities of our world with the poorest and most vulnerable communities the hardest hit and the last to receive access to vaccines and other tools. For more than a year the pandemic has been on a downward trend with population immunity increasing from vaccination and infection mortality decreasing And the pressure on health systems easing. This trend has allowed most countries to return to life as we knew it before COVID-19. For the past year, the emergency committee and WHO have been analyzing the data carefully and considering when the time would be right to lower the level of alarm. Yesterday, The emergency committee met for the 15th time and recommended to me that I declare an end to the public health emergency of international concern. I have accepted that advice. It's therefore with great hope that I declare COVID-19 over as a global health emergency.
4: Wow. I don't know uh, if we thought we'd ever hear those words. If you think back on uh, the last uh, three years or or more, that is uh, the Director General of uh, the World Health Organization, uh, Dr. Tedros Adhanam Gabrielsis, declaring an end to the global emergency that was caused by COVID-19. Really is fantastic, news. World Health Organization says it's still here, it's still killing people. Uh, but one of the things uh, that we didn't hear in all that uh, was the estimation that it has killed 20 million people across the world. Seven million is the official uh, figure. Uh, but as Dr Tedros said, uh, it's lots more than the official figure and they reckon that it's as many as 20 million people. But he was speaking there on Friday in Geneva officially declaring an end to the global emergency. Music to my ears, anyway. Uh, Thanks to Wendy, who phoned in. Wendy lives on Greg's Lane in Dunmo, Navin, and uh, she said there were neighbours who always veiled of bus errand going into Navin. One in particular lady went every day. Now, with the new road, uh, there isn't even a sign for Greg's Lane, and no bus stop. Uh, The bus doesn't stop going into Navin, Uh, uh, this is mentally affecting these people who can't get out of their houses, we've contacted Mead County Council but received no response thank you indeed, Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same part of the world as we heard from earlier but we'll get on to Mead County Council and ask them to put the bus stop back up or if that's possible Uh, Killian, thank you for your call as well, Killian is a coach driver in the private sector and his question is uh, that uh, he says the likes of any travel or any private operator which operates the same town, town services as bus Éireann can operate on time It's not a traffic problem, he says. Matthews operate a very clean, on-time, reliable service with surplus capacity and luggage facilities. Uh, Killian says he's driven for a private company for five years on hire to bus Aaron on the 1201X route. And every morning, the 6 a.m. bus in Drogheda was 20 minutes late and regularly didn't show up. Also on the one to zero one service sometimes three to four buses wouldn't show up for the service and he says when when I I, on behalf of customers spoke to management about it I I was told they were short of drivers or buses and that there was nothing they could do thank you indeed Killian Um, I think you make uh, some very strong points I think it can be done Uh, private operators can do it never mind continental operators Uh, why can bus air not do it it's a service uh, and that's their job and they're paid well and as I said earlier on you'd wonder if people have actually used the buses and they know what's needed Uh, Martin Indundalk in touch as well he was on to us after listening to Senator Eileen Flynn uh, who uh, had that experience of uh, the taxi driver refusing to take her home Uh, he wonders if this could be because of health and safety issues Uh, did she know that the taxi driver was ever assaulted or robbed on that site or any other site he says, I wouldn't take the chance Uh, she stated that 86% of travellers are unemployed, how are they looking so wealthy, driving around in large jeeps and cars and there doesn't seem to be any shortage of money, so where are they getting the money from if they don't work Uh, thank you indeed Martin for that Uh, thanks to everybody who's been in touch with us today
3: Michael at The Michael Reed Show with
0: AirGrid, managing and developing the national electricity grid so that it's fit for our current needs and ready for our future ones.
4: The Tánice, Micheál Martin, opened uh, the annual conference uh, for the Irish Postmasters Union on Saturday. Let's speak uh, to one postmaster, Kieran McEntee, who's uh, the postmaster at Three Mile House in County Monaghan. He's also the vice president of uh, the Irish Postmasters Union. Uh, A very good morning to you, Kieran, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme today. You and your colleagues made an appeal to the public to use post offices,
9: yes, Michael. We've done we've done very well uh, by getting the funding for the post offices all over Ireland, the northeast as well. But now we want to get the public to start using it and keep it there with the bank. All the new banking systems we have, all the different services, posting, packaging we have it there we're the state the state on the doorstep now and it's local and it's the people it's like to your local station there uh, LMFM and all the other stations if we don't use locally we'll not be there it's, 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 it's there's a lot of pressure on people now with the, with rent and the electric and all these different mm-hmm. things and we need people now to win and use we're, we're not we're, we don't want just the full cream of everybody but if everybody would give a wee tone to the post office uh, it, would, it would make a serious difference to the post office
4: alright why, why is it do you think that people aren't using the post office? Is it really just a symptom of uh, the modern world? To be honest, I'd say what happened was people
9: went... uh uh, direct debits, uh, top cards, and all that different things. It changed. The COVID changed a lot of things in rural Ireland, and people are still afraid to go out a wee bit. But we we have got the, all the new banking. We've VIB, we've Bank of Ireland, and we have uh, and Banking and, and we have all these um, foreign exchange foreign exchange cards. So it, it is there, and people don't realise that our post office is open longer than anybody else. It's open on Saturday morning from nine to one, and people a lot of people are working during the week and they could use it there and it's a place in every community if you take it it's a little, an old story but it's still there if you take it out of a, a village uh, the rest of the business goes with it so it's, it's an ideal place it's, it's a hub of the community once it's been used and like I am here my father was I'm 61 years in the post office I'm, I'm not the one my father was here but I'm here so the, the business is 61 years and that's what it is, it keeps, it stays in the community all around the country. Mm.
4: Uh, it's a, a very different business, I'm sure, than it was 61 years ago. Um, tell us about the banking services that you provide. Well,
9: well the banking, we have VAB now and we have Bank of Ireland, we can do checks cash, everything for AIB and Bank of Ireland. When they, uh, Bank of Ireland is the new person on, on the block. They have come in. AIB has been there a long time. So uh, mm. if people have the lodgement book, they can come in with a, with a cheque or they'll come in with cash for the card and they can lodge and withdraw in, in AIB and Bank of Ireland. We had so, Ulster Bank, uh, but as you know, Ulster Bank uh, uh, closed there, so we haven't got it.
4: I didn't know that. If you have an AIB account or a Bank of Ireland account, you can do your banking in the post office.
9: Yes, it's, that, that, that's where it's gone now. We see a lot of the banks closed in different areas. You can do all your banking in the local post office, mm. and you can you can lodge uh, large withdrawal. Once once you some people have checks now they need a lodgement slip uh, for to bring in and then we have a pouch and we put it into the pouch and it goes off and that's the way it's done but if you have if cash and you have card we can, we can put a lodge it into the, straight away into your account and that's for small businesses and privately like, I have a small uh, shop here and I do a lot of banking with uh, people like if people going to some shows or going to a function that they need cash they can install it in the post office and it's uh, from Monday to Saturday and that service is available there for nine o'clock in the morning to half five and some post office a bit later because they they agreed to open there during COVID a bit longer to, to relieve the pressure on the doors and we do the social welfare payments and
4: pensions as well yeah. and and do people get their social welfare I mean uh, take well, we
9: it have, the, you have to get job seekers in the local in, in the post office because uh, but you can, we can't demand uh, children's allowance or pensions but we do ask people with a pension to support the post office but you're entitled to get your pension but if you have to go to the post office
4: to get a job seekers. Oh, you can't get the job seekers into your bank account?
9: Well, 99, it did happen a bit over COVID, but they are changing the back to the post office, because
4: you you have
9: to identify yourself. Like, Maybe you couldn't come in and lift mine. You understand me? That's where you're, you're identifying yourself. That I guess
4: I, I guess it's a way of signing on uh, as well to make sure that you're yeah, and in the it's, country it's and that it of covers thing. up mm-hmm. fraud mm-hmm. as well yeah that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, okay but, but what if you have the option uh, for pensioners uh, have you seen a, a drop in the number of people coming in to physically collect their pension in the post office are yes, more people in other words no, yeah, no,
9: yeah. I'm not telling I have in the yeah. own post office I can see it you're not getting as many young and a lot of people are professional jobs so it automatically goes to their goes to their country you know a lot of people are getting paid direct debit anyway. Yeah. 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 Right. so the wages are, are going to the bank but I, I've got I've got new people as well some people say well i will use the, the local post office uh, it's been there and I, I want to keep it there like I've got one one man he, he wouldn't change it for the world and he's he, he does good and does Now he says no I'm happy to come down here and collect it, as long as I'm fit to walk down here or drive down, he says, i lift from the post office.
4: They go out as a way say to say support the post as well. office. Yeah. Sorry, I've cut caution. I'm sorry, I, they go out as their way to support the post office.
9: Yes, there's a lot of people does, yeah. A lot of people does. And, and they know it's the heart of the community, and they know if it goes the local other wee business, butchers or maybe draperies or something like that goes along it, because the thing moves. And if you check around your country there, you know that yourself. Mm. If you see a post office going out of an area... You see the wee village dying, or that that area of the town dying. You mm. know what I mean, because if the people move to somewhere else.
4: Do you think I you're mean, on borrowed time? time in their area, do you think you're on borrowed time? Because uh, I mean, cause you can do so much on your phone now, let alone anything
9: else. I, I exactly agree, with you, but but I, I think we will be needed there for something for, for identification or uh, other different business. Mm. Like we, even for car tax in my county here, like if you go from Amey Vale, you have to go to Mana, and you go from Carrickmacross. You have a lot of distance. We could we could take on some of that service. We don't need at all, mm-hmm. so we we could and, and and a proof of ID for everybody. I mean, in the local guard station, I, when I was younger, I know everybody in it. Do you understand? Yeah. But now mm-hmm. all new guards moving about and this is fair play, they're moving to different areas. They don't know. We could be the people to prove that it's, it's Michael Reed or it's Kieran McIntyre or it's mm-hmm. anybody. You know, and, and that's the way I think the way we're going to go. And with, with the ministers, they're all thinking that. Even Michael Martin the other day when we met mm-hmm. him, the uh, like he was saying, like he. It's an important thing for the for the for Ireland to keep rural Ireland alive too, because we don't want the, every town and small vill- or small towns being wiped out and everybody just just hubbing so that, a, a hub you live there but you move out to go to work somewhere else.
4: Uh, have you seen a drop in the number of people applying for passports through the post office since yes, we it's have possible because to do
9: it online. It, 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 yes, they've, they've got it online, and it, yeah. mm. it be fair, we can't do anything about it. And during COVID. Uh, it really went bigger. Now uh, we do the first time passport. We have to do that. We do a very verification for that. But yeah, the passport is moved away from us altogether. And some bill pay. But we're still we're still keeping we're still keeping a lot a lot of services for people. A lot of a lot of, a lot of the people have on on uh, social welfare want the post office because they can. Break their money down handy. Pay a bill and pay ten euros and pay twenty quid on the rent and pay forty quid on maybe a few television stamps and all yeah. that. So they can they can break the money. But if they get the money into the bank. If they can't divide it because it's, it's in there and there's no wee pouches to put it in but when
4: they go to the post office they can be, pay the ESB bill, buy mm. the top up and speak to somebody, <laughs> speak to a human being Kieran, I'm out of time I have to leave it there, thank you though for joining us this morning Thank you for having thank us you. on, thank you Thank you very much, Kieran McIntyre uh, Postmaster at the Three Mile House Post Office in County Monaghan, Vice President of uh, the Postmasters Union, that's our programme for today, God willing we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am on LMFM Good morning, bye bye
0: Michael Reed Show, brought to you by AirGrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it.
3: The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now, michael at lmfm.ie.